this week's podcast, I'm super excited. I have my good friend, Dr. Julie Gunther. She is a dual board certified family physician who loves being a doctor. She founded SparkMD in 2013 to take back her relationship with her patients and to empower herself to be the doctor she set out to be. In 2016, Dr. Julie was diagnosed with breast cancer. Her diagnosis at the age of 40 led her to reframe her personal goals and her goals for SparkMD. She decided to build a team that supported her mission and that would allow her to extend more care to more people and to spend the time sharing SparkMD's mission with other doctors and medical organizations throughout the country. Dr. Julie has worked to build a robust, compassionate, diligent, and capable team of two nurses, a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, and an esthetician. The SparkMD team provides urgent care services, wellness services, and aesthetic services focusing across the board on mental and physical well-being. Dr. Julie supervises all of these services and is generally on site or behind the scenes for every patient interaction provided. And the mission of everyone there at SparkMD is to restore the integrity of healthcare through dignified, transparent care that is given the time and space it's needed to do to be done right and she truly does give you the time to do it right. Dr. Julie is a graduate of Boise High School, Harvard University, and the University of Washington School of Medicine, and she has spoken all over the place. Uh, She's provided content or has been featured in Forbes, NPR, Bloomberg News, Medical Economics, Physical, Physician Practice, Reason TV, Kevin MD, the Idaho States and Idaho Business Review, on and on and on and many other forums and she's just well respected in her industry and she enjoys motivational speaking telling authentic stories and empowering physicians and individuals to think differently about how we care for ourselves and for each other and she can of course be reached at drg at sparkmd.com and more with julie in a moment but first i have to tell you about the raise app save every day at your favorite spots with raise r-a-i-s-e And you can, of course, use my link to get $5 off your first card, getaraise.com. But go to peppershock.com slash offers to use my special link to get your $5 off for free. Uh, I've seriously saved some money doing this. So you buy gift cards at a discount and then you use those gift cards all over. I mean, there's every brand name out there practically that you can find on there. And it's great because then you can use your raise to, you know, purchase other things, or you can actually get cash back right into your bank account. So utilizing raise is really a pretty cool tool. So go to peppershock.com slash offers to get a raise (laughs) to get your offer. (laughs) Anyway. um, All right. And now it's time for our marketing essentials moment with Me, Ray, Alan. Okay, so um, last time we talked about focusing on the customers that you already have. This time I want to talk about going double down on digital. Everybody's on in the digital space. Triple down on digital. I don't know. (laughs) The point is with the lockdowns and the travel restrictions of the pandemic, it's really no surprise that we're shifting everything from a Uh, click and mortar to sort of a a brick and mortar, if you will. Uh, So if you don't have an online shopping cart and you don't have a way for people to buy online and you don't have a way for people to communicate with you on your website, 
let us know. I think that's something that we can do, but you've got to think about what kind of e-commerce trends and channels you can use to increase your online presence. And there's lots of marketing tools out there that you can use um, if you're kind of a DIYer and you need to do it yourself. Um, but also if you need help, let us know. But you really, really need to think about how you can double down on digital and move to the online space and automate. And I always say, automate what you hate, measure what you treasure and dump what you don't. Automate what you hate, measure what you treasure, and dump what you don't. Okay, without further ado, let's get into talking with Dr. Gunther. Welcome to Pepper Shock Media's Marketing Expedition Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in marketing and advertising. Now, here's your host, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen, President and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. Today, I have a special guest with me. I mean, all my guests are special, but I have an extra special guest today, Dr. Julie Gunther. Julie, say hi and tell us who you are, what you do, and how we know each other. How about that? That sounds great. Hello, everybody. Hello, Ray. Thanks so much for having me on today. I am Dr. Julie Gunther. I uh, was raised in Boise, Idaho. I'm a family medicine physician, so I'm an MD, board-certified doctor. I own my own cash-based medical practice called Spark MD. Um, I'm also uh, an entrepreneur and um, a teacher and a mom and a friend. And um, in the process of personal growth, I got to meet the lovely Miss Ray, along (laughs) with a number of other small business owners. it's been interesting for me to learn that many of the small business challenges, even of a micro medical clinic, are, are small business challenges that lots of businesses face. So I've learned a lot from Ray and continue to learn a lot from, from you. Yeah. And so we, we got to meet when we were in a business development class, I guess, or a business mentoring like a group together, group. a mastermind so, together. Yeah, yeah that's a go. better word. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's been fun. I remember the day we met. And we were going around the room and, and saying everything of who we were and what we were doing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I'm in the room with a doctor. This is, like, this is a business thing. What's going on here? <laughs> it's cool, though. You, uh, We said it before that if you are surrounding yourself with other people who are like-minded, even if it's not the same business, right, you can right. learn from each other. So that's been quite the journey for us, right? Right. What I... Um, what I I think this is a little bit unique to physicians, but not entirely. As many people know, I I joked that like when you see a doctor out in the wild, people often are pretty surprised, right? And that applies (laughs) to business or softball games or uh, or whatever. And uh, on the other side of that, being a doctor who doesn't go out in the wild, being a doctor who gets up, goes to the hospital, works in the hospital or in the medical clinic and then goes home. You really, uh, in my opinion, don't get to continue to just explore uh, a lot of different components of your personality. So medical training is so intensive that we kind of do go in this tunnel and then we come out. And if we work as an employee, um, I I think it limits some opportunities for self-discovery. So one Mm -hmm. of my greatest joys in starting my own medical clinic, um, in addition to being able to just authentically be a doctor the way I want to be has actually been stepping into entrepreneurship and small business space and all the challenges and creativity that comes with it. Um, I joke, but it's not really a joke. It's actually a huge business opportunity for somebody. Like I do life and death work and, and have very serious conversations. I tell people they have cancer and that's not my biggest challenge. My biggest challenge uh, is used to be, well, and still sometimes it's my phones, you know, it's, it's basic business operations that, um, 
should be way easy to solve. So, so what's what I've enjoyed in a way, I've learned a ton from people who own flooring companies, real estate agents, from you. So okay. what I have unexpectedly really loved is in, in small business is, is all the challenges and learning that come from it that don't necessarily have to do specifically with industry, with right. my industry. Let's talk about your business and what makes you different and unique and maybe the, the model that you've started and, and why. Why did you start SparkMD? Right. So I, as a businesswoman now, I would say I started SparkMD to solve a problem. If you'd asked me seven years ago when I founded SparkMD, I solved it because I was acutely aware that um, other than my incredible skill set as a doctor, I really didn't have another employable skill set. <laughs> so, I mean, I joke, but after I finished medical school, I took a year off and one of the local schools would not hire me. They had an opening as a school nurse and I was not qualified to be a school nurse. Even so, though, you know, yeah, yeah, even you know. I'm like, but I'm a doctor. <laughs> so, so it was, I was a real cross, cross point or, or crossroads in my own life about, um, what do I want and what do I want to be? And, and honestly, at the time that decision was only partially informed in the sense that I still had a pretty restricted view of what I was or could be, which was a family physician. And so I, I really, the motivation for starting spark was how can I doctor the way I want to? And mm. I had a number of, um, honestly, very sad, uh, cases with patients where I just started to see the healthcare system fail them over and over again in terms of honoring their dignity or their uniqueness. And I, I, I have a really, really strong sense of social responsibility Yes, you do. Uh, yeah. yes, you and, do. <laughs> and um, I do, I feel really strongly almost to the level of pathology that if you're physically present when something is occurring, whether you do or don't do anything, you are a part of that. So I just really got to a personal point where I couldn't be comfortable with my name on the door where I was working when the outcome of, of many patient care moments was not reflective of what I wanted. So, so this is before Spark. And yeah, you, this is you before Spark. So, yeah. so the impetus of it really was, was I can't. Within within my employ the employment model that I was in, I couldn't be the doctor the way I envisioned being a doctor. So the question naturally was, is there a way to just be a doctor? And I, I stumbled upon uh, two gentlemen, two physicians out of Wichita, Kansas, who own a business called Atlas MD. And um, it was just like sort of what you hear, like that folklorish lightning epiphany. And that was in oh. September 2013. Yeah. And it just total clarity um, that uh, if you really untether doctoring from a lot of the business burdens, particularly billing insurance, um, it fundamentally changes how you can deliver care. So because um, you're not spending all that time trying to code and do all the insurance, you know, requirements that you have to do. Right. You're, so you're my truly doing what you feel is right, not right. what the insurance company tells you you have to do. Right. Right. And you know, we we talk about that socially, but my my clinical decision making was never driven by insurance guidelines. But um, it and it's I think it's ten times worse than it was seven years ago. I, I know it is. So. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine any job you do, and one analogy I've used is a hairstylist, but if right. you imagine, you know, for the people who are listening, right. plumber, um, teacher, which I think teachers have some of these burdens, mm -hmm. if you take any job or anything you love, gardening, mm -hmm. if you imagine you went out for two hours and you gardened mm -hmm. and you enjoyed it and you loved it and some things worked and some things didn't and, you know, there's that plant that didn't quite make it and, oh, I wish I would have made this decision, right? That's all the work of gardening. If you then translate that and say, now you need to go in, sit down and type up, type up exactly what you did. I mean, to the point of when we freeze little skin cancers on someone, theoretically, if you're going to bill insurance, you need to say, you know, on the anterior left forehead, there was a one millimeter by three millimeter scaly plaque of this discoloration. Mm -hmm. And I froze it on that, like, and list every single one. Mm -hmm. So 
the the documentation of the work actually became more of what the work is and that's what's happened in healthcare documenting what you did is has has garnered more attention than actually the work that needs to happen and the cool thing about healthcare is actually there's more than enough work to do just taking care of humans so if you've been hospitalized lately you see it right away the nurse walks in and in addition to asking your name and birthday Right. What, eight, 10 times? And you haven't switched rooms. Like, you, right. you know, <laughs> um, often you'll see people come in and the first thing they do is they're bar scanning everything. And what they're doing is is documenting every single thing that's occurring so that they can make sure charges are captured. So so my epiphany was just really the business of healthcare was really transitioning to being a charge capture business. And that my role was to document everything to the point so that the system could make sure they got maximum reimbursement. And it just, it creates a whole bunch of perverse incentives in the sense that the only real way you make more money in healthcare, if you're a physician or if you're a system that employs physicians is you need to capture more charges, which means I need to code more stuff, Mm -hmm. which means, and, and then you need to see more people. And so I thought something was wrong with me. And then when I realized there's, I was afforded about 12 minutes per patient visit And I was doing things like a 13-year-old who said she was having dark thoughts and cutting and a woman who was struggling with infertility and a 25-year-old with a cardiac deficit on a medication that meant she could never be on hormones. Oh, but you only get 12 12 minutes. Yeah, and so I was... was, I was dealing with very oh. complex yeah. or and even even heartburn or a wart, right. you know, a four year old with a wart on their foot. Yeah, I can tackle that kid, freeze it, and we can move on with life. Or I can sit down, talk to her, ask her about a stuffed animal, and then like build trust and mm-hmm. then, you know, so these things don't have to be traumatic. So what I enjoy, the work I do is not twelve minute work. Right. And and I would argue none of us um and and you know, physicians have a lot of training. And so if, if you imagine finishing school at 35 and right. doing your heart work with 35 years of education or, you know, mm-hmm. minus when I was age one to six or whatever, like, can you do that in 12 minutes? So my epiphany was really like, oh, it's not me. Right. The system in which I'm attempting, the construct in which I'm attempting to deliver is not designed to deliver this thing I, I envision delivering. So that was a very uh, big growth opportunity for me. So yeah. in a long-winded way, I opened SparkMD, which is a direct primary care practice. There's about 2,000 direct primary care clinics in the country now. They're mostly independent physicians who went out on our own. And by not billing insurance, it's not just about not billing insurance. It means I answer to you, not to your insurance, right. which also means I don't have to document. Right. If I want to freeze some skin cancers, I freeze some skin cancers. And I don't then spend four hours every night, which is the average, mm-hmm. after a physician leaves work documenting the work I did that day. So, and and you can maybe spend more than 12 minutes with me. Yeah. I, I just mean, like yeah. actually right before this, I saw a follow-up on a, a older gentleman who was hospitalized. Actually, interestingly, he wasn't feeling good. I saw him the Tuesday before Christmas. My NP saw him the next day. My PA saw him the first day right after Christmas and then he he ended up we ended up sending him to the hospital. Um and he was just discharged, but I was in the room with himself and his wife and his daughter who, because of COVID have not been involved in his care. Ugh, um, right. and they recorded the visit because we allow people to do that because we want them to remember what's mm-hmm. talked about. And I think it was um, hour and 20 minute visit. Um, wow. and we yeah. did, you know, what are your end of life wishes? Let's make sure we get those re-recorded. So it's on yeah. charge and it's on record in the hospital. Let's go yeah. through all your meds. Let's, you know, so um, 
visits have a natural end. I mean, right. you get to a point where they're just naturally done. We're done with that work. And I love the organic nature of the work right. I do now. Cause if it's 10 minutes, great. If it's an hour and 10 minutes, great. And mm-hmm. I have that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the model that you have and, and explain a little bit more just for, to put it into context, you don't take insurance, but you do a monthly subscription right? and you charge what? $79 a month. So adults right? are $79 a month and kids are $10 a month with an adult. We have an enrollment fee. So direct primary care as a business model is like a gym membership, right? Or it's like old timey medical care. I'm your doctor. You're my patient. Right. And, um, you pay me and I take care of you. People, I joke, there's like a head tilt. People struggle with how simple that whole thing right. is. Because the they're ad- usually paying insurance that's, you know, $300 a month. Right. But if I pay you $79 right. a month. So we're we're $79 a month. We did a survey of our patient customers last year in the fall, mm-hmm. like October, mm-hmm. November. And I, I just said, you know, throw out an estimate. How much money do you think uh, this model of care saved you per year? And the average answer was $2,000. Yeah. That's because we, we sell wholesale medications. So we can dispense medications like a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. We're not a pharmacy, but like a pharmacy, we have 330 generics. And then we negotiate prices on labs and imaging as well that are wholesale. So even our insured patients generally save money if they need an MRI. Mm-hmm. Um, diabetes drugs, there's five, five main pills that someone with, say, diabetes and high blood pressure might be on. We had a patient, he was paying um, $825 oh. a month for those medicines. It was $225 oh a gosh. month. Same medicines, just dispensed at wholesale prices. So wow. we try to simplify health care. We try to personalize health care. Um, we try to answer our phone when it rings and call mm-hmm. back the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other weird thing, and it's a little thing, um, we sort of like the bar from Cheers, like where everybody knows, knows your, your name. name. Yeah, everybody so, knows your yeah. name. Yeah, um, it's a simplified model. It's a scaled down model. And I just think it works better. It's and, very personable too, right? Yeah. You're not just a number. You're not just a, you know, a, a chart, a colored chart that you're trying to document every little thing. Right. It's it's more the, about the person holistically of who you are. And right. you walk through the door and everyone knows who you are. And I right. think that's great. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I, um, it's definitely in it. Spark MD is a, I'm glad for the name and the brand I chose because it really has been to not be super cheesy. It has been a spark in my career and it's created a lot of opportunity for conversation and role modeled a really different way to think about how we deliver healthcare. And, uh, makes me kind of hopeful for people who might want to be doctors. But, um, I also see, unfortunately that this model, uh, creates an intervention in times of health crisis for people uh, because more and more people are becoming aware mm-hmm. that maybe their health needs aren't met with the constraints of of the employed or the system model, the shorter well, yeah, visits. Then and- it's a $50 copay if you want to go see a doctor about something. And in this case, you've pretty much taken care of it with the monthly, but it's not on top of that. But you do still recommend like catastrophic insurance. It's not like you're, you're yeah. saying don't so, get insurance altogether, right? Right. The way I encourage people to think about it is um, it's kind of like people use the analogy of like a car, right? You have insurance for collisions, but the the routine <laughs> oil changes, the filling the tires with air, the gas, all the, the things that keep the car going on the road that mm-hmm. are expected – you don't put those things under your insurance. So I think healthcare would be improved. And what we do is we create a segmentation. We create a division in the healthcare model. The idea that insurance can be used for catastrophes, which are hopefully rare and they're unplanned and they're going to happen if they're going to happen in the sense that, that 
you know, uh, trauma, breaking your leg when you're skiing or things like that, mm-hmm. you know, once those things happen, you'd be advised to have health insurance. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, if we can keep you out of the ER, keep you out of the specialist's office uh, right. by being available and uh, by knowing your health history and by being a partner in your health care, that's how we save people tons of money. I mean, there's right. a convenience uh, benefit, there's savings mm-hmm. on meds, but really where the rubber hits the road, when you cut your hand slicing an avocado on Thanksgiving, True story for a patient. It's always the holidays and always an avocado. (laughs) Or you fall out of a tree hanging your Christmas lights. Also a true story. Oh, my gosh. Um, Or you fall while skydiving. Also a true story. Um, I'd prefer for that person to go to the ER. Oh, jeez. But but I tell my patients, if if you're upright and not actively bleeding, call me first. And if I can keep you out of the urgent care and keep you out of the ER, uh, we're going to save you a ton of money. And so... Uh, and those are big win moments. Like mm-hmm. I, I know how much savings, how much hassle. Um, last fall, we had a little girl crack her chin on the coffee table. And so this family pays $120 a year for right. basically almost 24-7 access uh, for these purposes. So they called um, and I was finishing dinner with my family or whatever. And I said, hey, I'll meet you there in 45 minutes. And actually, it was her forehead. It wasn't the sh- she wasn't the chin. And what was so funny, and when I figure, I feel like this is the big, these are the big wins. What was so funny is drove down, met, um, she had calmed down. I'd got the clinic ready. I'd beat them there. So I'd put a little stuffed animal and some stickers, walked in, looked at it, cleaned it a tiny bit, glued it. It was less than nine minutes before mom, dad was in and then they were back out. And the funny thing was because it was so quick and so easy, dad was, dad was kind of like, is that all? Is that it? Is that it? And how much do we owe you? And I'm like, no, that's part of the membership fee. Right. So. So I consider those things really big wins, which is just like we can really demonstrate how much easier things can be uh, than what kind of the model we have now. So. Yeah, I guess I should say patient for life. Right? Yeah, I always, I always get you know that. Mix up. In I business actually, world, clients, so right? what's funny, a lot of physicians will say these are not customers. And I oh. had a surgeon teach me, he said, Dr. Gunther, this is not Burger King. It's not have it your way. Um, and I, I do think that's important sometimes. Doctors should be experts that help guide with education so right. people can make the most informed decision. However, I think failing to look at patients as consumers of healthcare, right? Failing True. to look at patients as people who have choices, um, failing to look at the delivery of healthcare as a business or micro business mm-hmm. uh, misses a lot of opportunities. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you are very smart in seeking other entrepreneurial, yeah. uh, you know, advice and how people do things because then you can implement it into your own practice. So let's talk a little bit about the marketing side of right. what you're doing because we're yeah. on a marketing journey. Yes. This is the marketing expedition. Um, so, so as you go through and you think about, I mean, even pre, pre-pandemic BC before COVID, yeah, right? I know, I know. <laughs> uh, you, you did some things like, and you also introduced some new services to your, to your practice as well. Let's talk a little bit, uh, BC and then during COVID kind of what's going on and then what's like in the future now. Right. Um, what are some things you did to help get the word out? How did you tell people about what you were doing? Right. Um, you know, uh, there's a little bit of educational component to what you do too, right? Yeah, there's definitely a dual education component because intrinsic to explaining the business model which we kind of talked about, a lot of people don't know what a family doctor actually is. Yeah. So this this notion of this old-timey country doctor. So I have people who say like, so you can do my pap smear? Yes. But can you take care of my baby? Yes, actually. Uh, can you remove this mole? Yes. And so, and, you know, can you take care of my acne? Yes. Can you do my knee replacement? No. no. So right. the, yeah. it's... um. You're not a surgeon. Yeah, but, it's, it's yeah. one of the... But I do things with knives. Uh, right. You know what I mean? True, but not true. under anesthesia. So... So 
um, well, I numb things. I'm not like a torture person, but, um, <laughs> but it's, we, we have culturally lost the understanding of the full capacity of a, a well-trained generalist or family physician. Uh, and so there's much education to be done there. But so when I started in 2013, early 2014, my goal was, um, me and a nurse and a small amount of patients. And I'm just that country doctor. I actually was diagnosed with breast cancer about two years into starting the business. And um, at the time when I started in terms of marketing, really didn't have a marketing budget. So relied on my reputation in the community and my past patients. I had a few articles like Idaho Business Review, which was really great. A statesman did a little bit of a piece, but I really just relied on sort of this word of mouth, underground, groundswell, um, and relied on the fact that I knew that hospital systems weren't necessarily meeting a lot of patients' uh, Mm -hmm. needs, unique Mm -hmm. needs, like home visits and things like that. So that, in terms of marketing, that actually, that worked. Um, And I I worked a ton of side jobs. So there wasn't the economic stress of of having to rely 100% on the growth of, of Spark when I started. After my breast cancer, I decided to pivot. And um, and this is where yeah. in our business group, we did a lot of work. I added a nurse practitioner, physician assistant, because I felt fundamentally that the offerings of the healthcare model, longer visits, same day appointments, next day appointments, home visits, advocacy when you're in the hospital through either showing up or calling, wholesale medications, labs, imaging, you know, after hours procedures to keep you out of the urgent care when or if they're needed. I just added that tally up. And I, I thought, you know, with all of that, at $79 a month, I don't think it also has to only be Dr. Julie. Right. You know, can I bring on people who share my mission, who are really excited about the high quality of care and can and can help help me with this model? And that has worked out very well. Yeah. I totally have ADD and I love procedures. I love art. I love creating things. And so two years ago as well, I decided to add aesthetics. So I do injectables, Botox filler. That's separate from the direct primary care model. Um, and what's been fun about that there are many overlaps in the business models, but also some big differentiators right. um, in terms of utilization, incentivization, cost discounting. So on the primary care side, on the regular medical care side, I don't mm-hmm. want to be in a model where people only pay when they come in. That's where the model breaks down. Yeah. On the aesthetic side, it's different. Right. But so in terms of marketing, we really haven't fully figured out sort of the sweet spot in our marketing journey. And there's a number of reasons. One, I've created a lot of barriers. <laughs> One of those barriers is being probably more sensitive to our budget than is beneficial to our growth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But marketing, I think in every model always feels, it can feel a little... Um, uncertain. And mm-hmm. that's where, you know, you hire experts who can help with ROI, who have a track record like you guys, like Pepper Shock. <laughs> um, yeah. On the primary care side, talking to a ton of physicians around the country, the greatest growth has always been word of mouth. So right. the sort of word on the street is take the greatest care you can of the customers you have, and it'll take care of itself. And that has panned out. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tell people all the time, like, you have to go see, the, you know, Dr. Yeah. Gunther, go, yeah. go see Julie. I always yeah. have to really remember, oh, yeah, Gunther, yeah. I got to put that yeah. in there. Go see Dr. <laughs> Julie, and, um, and and she doesn't take insurance. And immediately yeah. they're like, how does that well, work? What? What yeah. do you mean she doesn't take insurance? Like, no, 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 you don't understand. Let me explain. Yeah. It's a membership, and you pay, you know, and they're just like $79, that's all I have to pay? I'm like, right. yes, that's, that's all you have to pay, right. and you do it on a monthly. And, you know, I think that people, it, it's definitely a model more people need to know about and right. more people could benefit from and and you as you grow you can you know add another PA you can add right. more people that will help you or partner up you know so that you're not like spread so thin that you're right. you know getting well, pulled and truthfully, but, you know mm-hmm. our next so 
you asked. So prior to COVID, the interesting thing about COVID was um, a couple things. Number one, you know, if you look at Value Builder in, mm-hmm. in business valuation, mm-hmm. um, having recurrent revenue, a membership basis is a, a high valuation, right? Absolutely. So, so that's not why I have a membership. The membership just fundamentally changes my ability to be available. It changes. I don't have to worry about like, oh, yeah, well, double book, triple book, you know. Um, it, it means I'm available to you and you're available to me. Kind of like, right. I know what the business will provide for me and I know what the business can provide for you. And it creates, I think, uh, the opportunity, which we don't have in healthcare, which is just to really have clear expectations around what am I paying for? What can I get? What will I do? And you can literally say, okay, in a normal year, my entire out-of-pocket budget will be this mm-hmm. much, you know? Mm-hmm. But with COVID, originally, you know, we had some fear, like all businesses, like, oh my gosh, how many people are going to cancel their benefit? But actually what's happened with COVID is a lot of people um, have had transitions in their own workplace, workforce. We're seeing more and more employers start to really try to become educated about Mm -hmm. more of their options in healthcare. So um, we had to slow the aesthetics business down a ton, Mm -hmm. um, which was scary, but I love having a dual business model for that reason, both because it's exciting to me and I enjoy the Mm -hmm. procedures, but also um, they support each other. Mm -hmm. Moving forward for our business, I would really love to see our business grow in offering direct primary care to larger employers, you know, whether it's 10 to 30 to 50 to 100 employees. Mm -hmm. This model can save businesses at least 25% on their total healthcare spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a local doctor who's been demonstrating that in a pilot project, which is yet to be mm-hmm. like fully disclosed, but mm-hmm. uh, it's dot data that's been substantiated by other direct primary care clinics. Um, one of them being Q-Lions. So what has been a challenge to me a little bit is continuing to run my business. Like we're driving down the highway while trying to change the tire, while trying to get people's attention about how cool my car is, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so moving forward, I have two goals for my business. One, we really, I would really love for us to scale our aesthetics business. And, um, I'm one of the few physician injectors in our community in the sense right. that a fair number of, uh, aesthetic spas or studios are, they have a physician licensee, but the physician is not the one guiding all the care or providing right. a lot of the services. And sometimes that doesn't matter. Actually, it's not. Some physicians aren't necessarily better injectors, um, but we're uniquely positioned there. Right. Um, and then I would love to see our primary care side grow by starting to help more and more businesses uh, reduce their healthcare spend. And we yeah. take care of about 13 small businesses in the Valley right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we take care of Valley, Idaho, which has been a real joy. And mm-hmm. I brag about it because I'm proud of it. Yeah. Um, but those are sort of my two big business goals. Mm-hmm. In terms of marketing, there's infinite opportunity for me on social media, and mm-hmm. I am just super uh, irregular about it. Mm-hmm. But service-based industry with a membership is tricky to calculate mm-hmm. a ROI. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I haven't found the secret sauce, and I, in talking to a lot of my colleagues, a lot of them haven't. But mm-hmm. certainly, and you know, working with you guys to redo our we have a strong brand and I used mm-hmm. a marketing company to do that. And I encourage everybody to do that. I really mm-hmm. think putting a lot of thought into your brand and your physical appearance and your brand identity mm-hmm. beyond like something you design yourself on a word document. I think, I, I think it's really important. I do too. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's a, I think it's a very worthwhile mm-hmm. investment, uh, especially in the healthcare space. I see, frankly, a lot of my colleagues with kind of crappy brand logos. Right. It doesn't differentiate. So, um, this was before I knew you and we worked with a yeah. company out mm-hmm. of Kansas and they just, they did just an awesome job mm-hmm. and that stood, that stood up so far. And then mm-hmm. when we worked with you guys to redo our website, I'm mm-hmm. really grateful for that. And then to be completely transparent, tried to manage the website myself for a while, which means it's not being managed. So re-engaging <laughs> with Pepper Shock to just make sure our 
physical uh, presence to mm-hmm. the external world uh, reflects what I want it to reflect, which yep. is just, you know, yep. modern, high quality, factually based, mm-hmm. organized, yep. all of those things. Well, and at some point I want to talk to you too about this new social media tool that we're doing. It's it's scheduling, it's automating, it's assigning, it's, um, you know, you can, it's calendar view so you can see everything that's scheduled and it sends you reports for analytics. If right. you've, you know, how much engagement, how many new fans, how many new, you know, story posting and it does it all, right? Right. Um, and it's it's for agencies that we can then resell just the the, the workspaces, if you will. Right. And um, it's forty bucks a month to, to awesome. do all of that. So I'll have to share that a little bit more. We're, we just started using it. Right. Um, but so far so good. And I love the weekly reports that we're getting that tells me, you know, oh look, we've got look more engagement, or you know, and it's it's like pre-planned all the way. Uh, that you can put everything in there. And then, in, you know, of course, when you want to do something on the fly, you certainly can do that too. But um, it's certainly a helpful tool for people like you that right. need to, you know, kind of plan it out ahead of time. And then you kind of just set it and forget it, but then, you know, just check in and make comments as needed um, rather than always having to come up with the content all the time. And right. there's suggested content. Right. Based I think on one of my yeah. physician colleagues has done something like this. And cool. I've been really impressed because it is my my – a huge part of our brand and, mm-hmm. and a huge thing that's really important to me is authenticity. And so, mm-hmm. so I'm probably overly controlling, which, which then impairs actually doing anything. Um, but I, I never, maybe. yeah, <laughs> I never want something to not feel earnest or not feel authentic. And, mm-hmm. um, we have some internal cha- changes happening too, which is exciting. I think if I, if I were to give business to our business, if I were to give advice to a listener or to myself, mm-hmm. yeah. um, five years ago, and I, and I don't know if this is my journey or not, just my journey or not, but it's, um, I, business grows in increments mm-hmm. and I'm, I know we hear stories about how like whammo, they went wild and now they're a huge influencer and they sold 3 million squatty potties or whatever overnight. <laughs> but, um, and I'm sure that does happen, but I think, I think if you look at the literature, what really happens is people churn and work for a really long time and there isn't any one thing that blows the top off your business. It's just the ability to keep showing up every day mm-hmm. and keep moving forward and keep pivoting. And so, so any marketing plan for me early on marketing was just not any sort of option or paying anyone to do any Mm -hmm. marketing. Um, but I still firmly believe, uh, if you're the owner or, you know, what's interesting to me, I guess I'll I'll look at the the other side of this, which is I, I run into physicians who want to start their own practice, who are asking whether or not their business idea has value. So until you know what problem you're solving for your consumer Mm -hmm. and until you can speak clearly about why that matters, I I don't think you should spend money on marketing um, Mm -hmm. because you are, you know, you you are the marketing when you, when you march around town and explain your value. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that, that goes without saying that if you don't firmly believe in what you're doing, it's probably not going to be really successful. So, so um, I think you are your best marketing in the beginning when you're, when you're micro and then your clients and customers and, and, and their testimonies, your second best marketing. Mm-hmm. And then accelerating word of yeah. mouth advertising, right? Getting yeah. Staying the course. Say. Yeah. Staying the course and, and having a strong brand and just believing in it, um, have had value for me too. But, but I, I'm aware, like I'm feeling very hopeful and it's not Good. just, not just the inauguration. Our business is kind of turned a little bit of a corner in a, in a way that the financials aren't just week to week stressful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. There's a tiny bit of wiggle room, which then opens up the opportunity of, okay, how do we, how do we use these funds in the most, how do I steward these funds in the best way to, to grow the business Mm -hmm. a little bit more? So So that's kind of where we are. ROI from your efforts and 
and make sure that it's the right efforts and yeah. that you're, you know, yeah. <laughs> doing things that are going to be effective for, for your plan. But Yeah, uh, well, and I, yeah. aside, kind of unrelated, but very related to Spark is I've always loved to teach and it is the heart of, of probably uh, what makes my relationship with patients and, and mm-hmm. customers and staff most therapeutic is just, I find if you can understand yourself and communicate to others and they can have their own understanding it's just it's this nice synergy so mm-hmm. so i've been doing a few videos with covid Good. to educate yeah. our patients in the community but but also sort of behind the scenes as i'm starting to teach aesthetics and um do some mentoring of physicians who want to open their practices which i've done not for money uh mm-hmm. but i'll be making a transition to do that as as something as more of a business and so you know within the marketing i i can envision marketing that's more of a um I guess building you know, building an individual brand around mm-hmm. around uh, skill set and business and things like that. So, so there's sort of the three pronged approach, and it's the same thing that we talked about what three years ago. I just right. feel like um, teaching at the time I was eager. Yeah, and... at the time I was eager and could see it, but I still hadn't quote unquote done my time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot and of maybe learning even podcasting. Since then. Yeah, right? you can yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of learning since mm-hmm. then, right? Mm-hmm. And so. It's funny. I I did a talk. I did a Facebook Live two weeks ago about mm-hmm. just the COVID vaccine. I saw and what yeah. it means to be what the vaccine actually is. Yeah, just because I think it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of mm-hmm. geek out to just understand like how do how do people even figure this out? Mm-hmm. How does it work? And then it can inform all the news articles that people read. But right. but the majority of feedback, um, and obviously this is going out to people who who know me, so people are mm-hmm. going to be nice. But the majority of feedback, and this is consistent with feedback I get in my professional life, is is wow, you're really able to explain things in a way I can understand it Mm -hmm. and so so it's fun for me to understand something and then share that understanding Mm -hmm. um so I wouldn't have said I'm a passionate educator but I kind of think I am yeah which is kind of weird yeah that's good because you have important things to educate people with and and if they can understand what's going on with them and then they can take a more active approach in resolving whatever issues they're having or you know if they're having issues of, you know, what, what is this vaccine going to do to me and right. how is it going to work? And what is it, you know, the scary part in, in, the, in your video, I watched the whole thing and it was great and I shared it. And, and the part where you said that this is not necessarily a new thing, uh, vaccines are not a new thing. We, we've understood this before. This is just a new addition to it right? right and that was like okay it's yeah not like they starting from scratch with this right yeah. and I, yeah. I i see a lot of things in the media and i think sometimes the the news media does purposely misinform or mm-hmm. like tangentially inform but i also think it's it's always been so fascinating to me that like healthcare writers aren't healthcare professionals like mm-hmm. it is so so some <laughs> i'll read healthcare articles sometimes and you know oh this isn't for a healthcare provider you know this isn't right written for you this is written for a normal person i'm like but it's still qualitatively incorrect the way it was explained demonstrates mm-hmm. a misunderstanding right. of the principle Mm-hmm. And I, another thing I'm super passionate about is consent. And I don't see how you can give consent for anything, a vaccine, mm-hmm. a procedure, um, a marriage. I don't see how you can give <laughs> consent for anything if you don't have a f- pretty firm grasp on, on what's being asked of you. So, mm-hmm. so that's where it just, I generally find the majority of people make very good choices if mm-hmm. um, they are afforded the opportunity to be properly informed. And again, I can't do that in 12 minutes Right on that podcast no, or that, that, that video on Facebook. I was like, this will be three to five minutes all about. The-. And I got you know, done like- and I was like, that's 35 minutes. Okay. I should never assume I can do anything in three to five minutes. <laughs> don't commit to a time, right? Yeah. yeah I don't even sure. get through the Starbucks line that fast. So, um, come on now, you know, <laughs> 
Okay, so future, um, you want to see SparkMD grow with uh, employers. So if, if I mean, I know I'm obviously an employer and my, right. my staff are, you know, subscribe, we're right. members. Um, but if you had an opportunity to talk to other employers, what would you say to them? So I would, I would really like small and medium-sized businesses to understand that within the, the tax law and the healthcare law we already have in place, there are solutions in front of them where they can reduce their total healthcare spend by 25% or more and the data shows yes. uh, and have their employees be happier with their benefit, right. which feels very radical. The thing I found in talking to employers and in modeling out some of this, and it's it's not that hard, it's not that far away, um, and uh, is employers can't believe what I'm showing them. Right. And to believe how much you can save, you have to have an understanding of how much you're being charged. Mm -hmm. And healthcare as a business model has no transparency. So one example I like to use is a microscopic example. A CBC, which is a complete blood count, bills out after insurance to some people at about $48. At SparkMD, it costs $5. It actually costs us $3.50. We charge $1.50 because of the time, the blood draw, and the tube. But we really try to not mark things up. But so so healthcare is a very unique industry mm -hmm. that until recently, the vast majority of people had no option for negotiation or price transparency. Right. Um, and we you can just tell- just get what you get. The bill yeah. comes in the mail. And sometimes you don't yes. even know how many different bills you're going to get. Yes. Until so if you want to solve problems for your employees, if the goal of providing benefits is really to solve problems, mm -hmm. if the goal is, you know, if you've got employees um, where, you know, you've got a single mom who has a sick kid and she says, gosh, I can't get the kid until a doctor tomorrow or the next day. So I've got to miss work. If, I mean, it's getting a little bit late in the day, but if you call us today, we get we would get right. that kid in now or tomorrow. So mm -hmm. so there's a lot of little things. Um, we've provided guidance during the pandemic to businesses. Yeah. So uh, that's been an interesting additional benefit we didn't really forecast, but mm -hmm. uh, our businesses have reached out to us and said, hey, help us with how we handle this. If we should COVID test people, how do we do mm -hmm. this? So, so healthcare doesn't have to be so difficult or so complicated or so obtuse or so expensive. And right. you can get so much more for your dollar. And in addition to doing all that, you're helping local small businesses transform healthcare. So, so my challenge has been to really catch the ear of small business owners and say, like, uh, just come talk to me. Right. And, and sh if, and, um, I've got, there's two insurance agents in the Valley who mm -hmm. understand this model who are fantastic. I'm sure there's more than mm -hmm. just two, but Frederickson insurance mm -hmm. and, and, then Lindsay, yeah, yeah. and Lindsay Clark's young, Lin Lindsay Clark Youngsworth and the Chandra group. Mm -hmm. They both, both groups have been passionate, uh, supporters of innovative thinking. And, mm -hmm. and I think they earnestly want to drive solutions for small businesses mm -hmm. and they can help create products where your employees have the benefit of something covering them if they have a catastrophe. Right. And that's um, what we do we have yeah. catastrophic but then yeah. use spark md for the monthly and yeah and right. it works nicely right well being well having no stress uh mm -hmm. with out-of-pocket costs so right I was at a, I was actually at my dentist yesterday and I have to harass him because I'm getting more bold. And I was like, I'm going to call you because the hygienist shared with me. She said, we have a nice health plan, but our deductible is so high. Our out of pocket is high. So none of us go to the doctor because we're afraid of what our out of pocket will be. Right. And that yeah. is perfect for what mm -hmm. I do. Because mm -hmm. you can look at your employees and say, you have no out of pocket cost unless you go to the ER. Right. And when you go to the ER, you're going to have an out of pocket cost anyway. So mm -hmm. let's create a deductible that, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it's 5,000 or 7,000, which stinks. But if it's only utilized for an emergency, mm -hmm. it just, it just radically transforms people's sense of security and, um, 
it's just super, it's just a better business model. Yeah. And so, well, so, and when you're hiring employees and they want to know if they, if they get benefits, right. And you, right. you tell them, yes, you, you get benefits, right. I right. mean, we have insurance, but we also have this extra added benefit that's to you that is more cost effective and it's right. better. And it's you can, more, I, and yeah. I mean, to yeah. the extent I'm not a concierge doctor and that has some negative connotations because mm. uh, people assume concierge doctors only take care of the rich, but it literally is, we have a concierge physician arrangement for all of our employees with a high deductible health plan in case of emergencies right and that to me is is like pretty kick-ass answer to the like yeah. what am i going to do about my health care mm-hmm. um and then if people leave they have the option to stay on they just assume the cost of their own membership um, mm-hmm. most of our employers pay the membership and then the employees pay for their meds labs and imaging and most of our employers um we have one employer that pays for beneficiaries the rest don't but mm-hmm. again children are ten ten dollars yeah. yeah yeah so um and you know, ever you know, if there's people with um, really pretty extreme healthcare needs and and more unique needs, generally the data shows they save money too. But but attention point sometimes is well, what if my employees want their specific doctor, and um, and that's just something we have to have a conversation about. There's there's options in the valley. There's about four or five of us that have clinics that are working mm-hmm. together to create more options for people. But mm-hmm. but I find that uh, people people tend to release their relationship with their regular doctor when they see another clinic or another doctor is going to going to take up that mantle and 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 provide high quality care also but yeah yeah so anyway it's just like healthcare doesn't have to be hard doesn't have to be complicated doesn't have to be a source of incredible business stress like you can drive down your spend and i think end up with a better delivery a better benefit for your your employees so um i wish i could you know get in everyone's everyone's ear to help them try out this model because it might because it's pretty awesome it is pretty awesome and you've yeah. you've shared this model with others all across the country i mean they look to you to to get advice and other people before they started theirs like yours right you've done this before right i mean yeah so that i mean there's um around the country a number of my colleagues uh shane purcell in i think he's in north carolina I should know South Carolina mm-hmm. um, works with actually unions and some of the major utility companies. There's oh. larger iterations of this that work with um, academic institutions, universities. Yeah. So, so there's all kinds of versions of this, but uh, and even some healthcare systems, hospital systems are trying to launch their own sort of uh, uh, membership based mm-hmm. direct primary care clinics or direct care clinics. We're starting to see more specialists go into direct care. So mm-hmm. I actually am excited for healthcare. I think we're going to start to see more and more innovation mm-hmm. where we use technology to drive down cost um yeah and then i um personal plug i wrote a little book during covid time actually i I started it before my breast cancer diagnosis and i finished it this spring it's called spark start fires and uh, it's a guide for dreamers who are also doctors and it's just literally a brain dump about how i started this business and the target audience is physicians who want to go out on their own Uh, i've been challenged to turn it into a how to start your small business book so maybe maybe you and i'll talk about that yeah um (laughs) Uh, congratulations but, I knew yeah. that was a, a work in progress yeah I'm no it's it done, done and it's published and it's completely Yay. imperfect oh. <laughs> and I've made like $800 on it this year but I've, I've got <laughs> I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback that it's just it's just a very conversationalist here's why I started how I started and here's the steps I took mm-hmm. and what I learned from it, it um, how, do, how do people get it how can they buy it Amazon um, Amazon yeah good yep yep, yep. if good. you want to support me you can just say nice things no <laughs> um, I, I honestly published it because I was asked um, so many times mm-hmm. to 
edit uh, checklists about how to start your own practice. And I kept saying, I've written this, I've written this, I've written this. Mm -hmm. And I had done a very large seminar with the American Academy of Family Physicians for physicians about how to start your practice. And mm-hmm. that that's largely what this document was. So I was just like, I'll just see if I can self-publish. Yeah. So that was a learning curve too. Yeah. And I've got another book uh, that I'm working on. I've got two more that I'm working on actually. One's a <laughs> bunch of patient stories. And that's actually mm-hmm. been, I started that in 2001. Okay. So it's actually almost 20 years of patient stories. Um, and then and then there's the Spark Start Fires 2.0, which is just all the learnings from like year three to year seven. But yeah. Yeah. We'll see if, if we'll see what happens with that. I um and then I'm working on some documentation for teaching aesthetics. So we'll yeah. see if any of that turns into anything. I don't know. Yeah. But I also I don't think any of us should have to learn the same thing twice, but uh <laughs> I think sometimes I'm vested in saying, Hey, like don't screw up the way I screwed up because um but yeah, I'm an I'm I am a national expert in, mm-hmm. in this model of care and in this mm-hmm. space and um right now I have tenure as president of a national organization of physicians that do direct primary care. So so uh, in terms of that makes me sound really, really busy and somehow it kind of all works <laughs> probably because of my team. But mm-hmm. but it's been you know, for people excited about business or stuck in their own entrepreneurship or mm-hmm. wondering where to go. I think I think just, you know, let your passion fly mm-hmm. um, and particularly if what you have to offer helps other people grow yeah. uh, because it just it just opens a lot of doors and, and good things generally come even though it can be frustrating and exhausting and, yeah. <laughs> well julie thank you very much for sharing your story with us and yeah. being a little vulnerable and telling us the things that you're working on and and uh and and just sharing and you know it's it's great because you are so authentic and just so real and it's I, if, if you don't hear it enough, I am super proud of what you've accomplished and where you've Thank come. You. And I know, uh, you know, we, we've gone through processing and mind mapping and yeah. mind whatever, what's it called? Um, <laughs> all the things that we did in our, our so many together. smart goals yeah. still need to be finished. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's an ongoing thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, congratulations on getting your book done. That Thank is you. definitely a an accomplishment and achievement to, to be proud of. So yeah, it's kind of well, cool. Yeah. Hopefully people will go support. Uh, so say it again, it's spark. It's called sparks start fires and it's on Amazon. It's um, a guide for dreamers who are also doctors. And frankly, I haven't figured out how to reformat it for Kindle. So it is not available on Kindle <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that's only because I sit down to try and format it for Kindle and I can't figure it out. But, yeah. but um, no, thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, your mentorship and friendship and just, you know, your incredible ethos and hard work has been really inspiring to me and I miss our monthly meetings. I know. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I miss our group, yeah. but we'll have to do this. I know. I was super excited to hear you're going to come and take a moment out of your day, <laughs> your busy, busy, busy day to come share with us. So uh, this will be out. Uh, it'll we, we launch every Thursday, so it'll come out and uh, on the Marketing Expedition podcast is where you'll see it. So thank you, thank you Julie. Yeah. And uh, for our listeners, uh, until next time, we appreciate you. Don't forget to go do a review <laughs> and uh, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition podcast. Find more online at Peppershock.com. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. 
We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.